is Sharon Levitt of the Tyndale Momentum book team at Tyndale House Publishers. I'm talking today with pastor and author Chuck E. Tate about his book, 41 Will Come. Chuck Tate is pastor of Rock Church, a thriving and growing community in the heart of Illinois, which he founded 18 years ago. Prior to planting Rock Church, Chuck worked for a national youth ministry. 41 Will Come is Chuck's first book. Chuck, it is such a pleasure to talk to you today. Welcome. Thank you so much, Sharon. I'm honored to talk with you today. Oh, thanks. Well, I'm excited to talk about 41 Will Come because it's such an encouraging book. And who doesn't need encouragement, especially nowadays? Uh, well, thank you, first of all, and um, absolutely, that that's why I wrote it. My prayer is that it will infuse hope into everyone that reads it. Yes, yes, and it is obvious from the first chapter that you have the gift of encouragement and also a great sense of humor. I, I know I've told you this before in conversations, <laughs> but there were several times reading through the book that I laughed out loud, and I think that's a significant benefit of your book because for the people who are looking for that hope we know that laughter is good medicine for the soul and so I thank you for putting in uh, the humor into the book because people do need that especially when they're going through hard times so well, thank you, thank you, <laughs> yeah it's true so let's go ahead and dig into the book so for our listeners who are wondering What's the deal with 41? Will you help them understand why it's such a significant number that it actually made the title of your first book? Absolutely. Well, first of all, Sharon, I want to point out the word significant because it's the, the number the, the number 41, it's, it's not magical, it's not mystical, uh-huh. but there is a significant pattern worth pointing out. Okay. The number 40 seems to represent a season of waiting or testing uh-huh. for those days or years. But the number 41 delivers breakthrough, a new beginning, and even second chances. For example, in the Bible, it rained 40 days and 40 nights. 41 came and the rain stopped. Mm-hmm. Moses committed murder and then hid on the backside of a desert for 40 years. 41 came and he received a second chance and was commissioned by God to be the rescuer of Israel. Then the children of Israel, after being rescued from Egypt and going through the Red Sea on dry land, they ended in, entered into a wilderness period for 40 years. 41 came, and a new generation entered the Promised Land. Then Goliath, he challenged Israel, bullied them, taunted them for 40 consecutive days, begging somebody to fight him. And then 41 came, and of course the teenager named David slew Goliath. Jonah went to Nineveh for 40 days to deliver a message of doom and gloom that God was going to wipe out a city of more than 120,000 people because of its wickedness. But 41 came, and the people responded with repentance, and God extended grace and mercy. In fact, the Scripture actually says that God changed his mind. Hmm. Then Jesus, he fasted and prayed for 40 days in the wilderness as preparation to do what he came to planet Earth to accomplish. The enemy tried to take him out before he even began with temptation. But 41 came, Jesus spoke the word, the devil fled, angels showed up, and Jesus launched his epic ministry. And then, after he went to the cross, 
and was resurrected from the grave. He appeared to his disciples for 40 days and commissioned them to begin the church. And then 41 came. The Holy Spirit showed up. The disciples were empowered. Peter got up and preached the first message. 3,000 people responded, and the church was birthed. And here we are more than 2,000 years later talking about it. So 41 is a, uh, a blast of hope as if to say you might be in a downpour for what feels like the last 40 days or perhaps in a wilderness period for what feels like 40 years. Perhaps you're facing a giant that is standing between you and your destiny. Or maybe you just need a second chance and need to dream again. Don't quit. Don't throw in a towel. 41 will come. Yeah, I I love that. You know, the the subtitle of your book is Holding On When Life Gets Tough and Standing Strong Until a New Day Dawns. And the book, um, of course, as you outlined, is filled with these epic uh, biblical stories that some of us are very familiar with, but perhaps really didn't think beyond the scripture, beyond what was just told to that 41st day. And uh, so thank you for doing that. And then you also have stories from your own life and ministry of real people who did this, who practiced these um, holding on and standing strong until a new day comes. And I wondered if you could just pick out one of those stories to tell our listeners. Sure, absolutely. Well, well, all seven keys in the book to hold on and stand strong come from 1 Samuel 17, which is the story of David defeating Goliath. So that, that's my favorite story in Scripture, even though we go through several others. Um, it's a little more challenging to pick a personal story because I use so many examples of, of family, including you know my own son, my, my mother, my sister, and brother-in-law. So I'm going to go with um, a story of an elderly man named Arlie and his grown son Anthony and I had the opportunity to to spend some time with Arlie over the phone I was connected to him by a retired minister in my church and when I say I had the opportunity to talk to him on the phone I was on the phone with him for about eight days <laughs> not, not really but Arlie is just a, a sweet elderly man 78 and just had a phenomenal a, really a miraculous story to tell, and I was so encouraged in talking to him that I had to share the story in in the book. And that that story consists of uh, his son. Their their life changed on on June thirteenth, twenty thirteen. Uh, Arlie Judy Neville's son Anthony had an unexpected seizure and passed out, stopped breathing. Uh, praise the Lord, he was revived. It seemed to bounce back okay, but then. Later that day, he was running an errand, and while running that errand, um, he passed out again and was unresponsive. Mm-hmm. And long story short, the doctors put him on life support. And obviously for, for any parent, if you presented with that type of setback, can can, can crush you. Yeah. And Arlie is just a uh, solid man of faith and he just trusted the Lord they prayed and the doctors when they informed him that his son was unresponsive that he was on life support and there was nothing else they could do 
Arlie's response was, well, God has the last word. Mm-hmm. And he just he just wasn't willing to to quit. So they kept him on life support for, for a few days, and the hospital sat him down and spoke with him again and uh, just informed him that there was nothing else they could do. He was brain dead. Obviously, his heart was still beating, but there was no brain activity, and it was their recommendation to pull the plug. Mm-hmm. Arlie was he just unwilling to do it, so he just looked at him in the eye and said, well, God has the last word. Mm-hmm. Well, finally, they told him, we can't keep him here. If, if you're not going to pull the plug, then we're going to have to transfer him to a, transfer him to a, a nursing home where he can live out the rest of his days and, until his, his heart quits beating. Mm-hmm. But there's, again, there's no right activities, nothing else we can do. So they went ahead. They they transferred him to a nursing home, and and during this time, they decided to uh, take a recording that Anthony had actually produced of a song called "Jesus Loves You." Not to be confused with the the song "Jesus Loves Me," but this is a song that that Arlie uh, wrote and and sang. So his son produced it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I mentioned Arlie. Back in the day, he used to travel as a Southern Gospel um, huh? singer. He recorded at Gaither Studios. And their hope was to, to play this song that their son was familiar with 24-7, just to put it on on repeat and pray and just believe God for a miracle. So that's what they they hmm. did. And I believe that was around 10 days in they did that. So he's at the nursing home. He's unresponsive. He's brain, he's brain dead. There's no activity. There's In the natural, there, there's no hope. He's going to stay there until his heart quits beating however long that may be but anthony i mean not anthony Ar- arlie and, and his wife judy they continued to pray to seek god to speak the word over him and all the while this song is playing jesus mm-hmm. loves you 24 hours a day and what happened was was miraculous but on the 41st day mm-hmm. of being brain dead Anthony opened his eyes, and the nurse came mm-hmm. flying down the hallway to inform them, saying, Arlie just opened his eyes. He's looking at me. And it was an unbelievable miracle. And, and of course, as Arlie is telling me this on the phone, he's emotional. I didn't know if he was laughing or crying, but mm-hmm. I think I was crying. It was it was a powerful mm-hmm. demonstration of what God can do if we will stand on the Word and speak the Word. Wow. That is really something. And, you know, you, I have a question for you. What if you're a person, Chuck, who, I mean, Arlie was a man of great faith. What if I'm just, I'll say, a, a regular person, and I might even be new to my faith, and something big like that comes up? How do I do that? How do I, you know, is God going to listen to me like he listened to Arlie, um, who just had this conviction that God had the last word? I can imagine somebody new in the faith thinking, well, God did it for them, but why would he do it for me? And I'll go ahead and go to him, but I don't, I'm, I'm not feeling the um, confidence that perhaps Arlie had, but I want to believe. So what do you say to that person? Sure. I would say to dig into the Word of God. You know, Romans ten seventeen, Sharon says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. In the Greek, that means continually hearing. So we need to continually 
feed ourselves the Word of God, read the Word of God, hear the Word of God, and our faith will begin to grow. And it's it's easier to say than it is to do. And but I really believe that if we will take the time to, to seek God and to seek His Word, our faith it really will grow. And of course, Jesus said, "If we just have a little bit of faith, mm-hmm. well, we can we can do the impossible." So I think the key is is hearing the Word of God. Okay. Okay, and come with what we have to Him. In the, if we find ourselves in these in a bad situation, um, okay. And you know, I I also wondered. I mean, you're a pastor. It's not like you're you're just sitting around with lots of time. You're always on call. Pastors are always on call, and yet you made the time to write the book. And I just am wondering if there was any one thing that you kept seeing over and over that compelled you to write this particular book. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how it started? Sure, absolutely. It actually started years ago when I was a youth pastor. I was listening to a band called Harvest, and mm-hmm. they had a cassette tape. <laughs> they had, mm-hmm. I'm old. They had an album that was called 41 Will Come, and the mm-hmm. title track was called 41 Will Come. So as a young youth pastor, I'm listening to this album, listening to this song, and I'm thinking to myself, man, this would be a great sermon. I've never thought about this concept before. So I yeah. listened to that song and then wrote a sermon and called it 41 Will Come, and I preached it, and it was received well. And it just was one of those messages, there's a handful of messages that really kind of turned into a life message. I preached it more than once, and if I was a guest speaker somewhere or the first time preaching at a different church, I would usually pull 41 will come out because people just seem to respond to it. So that um, that's really how it began. But the way it really what, what caused it to become a book idea um, took place when I was the chaplain of a professional indoor football team called the Peoria Pirates. This was several years ago, and I had the opportunity to serve in that capacity for seven seasons. But during our first season, our inaugural season, we made it to the playoffs. In fact, it was a semi semifinal playoff game. If we win the game, we go to the championship, the Super Bowl of indoor football. So it was um, a pivotal game. It's either win or go home. And I decided in my you know little 15-minute pre-game chapel talk with those who attended to, to share this message. 41 will come. Mm-hmm. You know, it rained for 40 days, 40 nights. 41 came, the rain stopped. You know, Goliath challenges for 40 days. 41 came, David slew Goliath. So my message was not only about that game, but about life in general. Mm-hmm. Um, encouraging the players not to quit, especially those who are trying to get to the next level in their pro career. Mm-hmm. But I did end, end the chapel by saying just remember today when you're on that field, you get stuck on 40, don't quit. Yeah. 41 will come. And the craziest thing is they won the game. Not only did they win, yeah. but the final score was 41 to 40. And that so... blew their minds. It blew my <laughs> mind too. But right after the game, I didn't even think about the score. I was just so pumped that we won. 41 came, we won, we're going to the championship. Yeah. And I dove over the 
the, the, the press table that I was, you know, sitting at, and I ran and stormed the field with all the fans and was running up the players, high five and fist bump, looking them in the <laughs> eye, and everyone I would just say, 41 came, baby, 41, <laughs> and they all would look at me as get this this crazy look on their face as they allowed the the score to penetrate their mind, and they just. They just couldn't believe it, and we you know, obviously we celebrated and chest bumped and ran around like, you know, like chickens with their heads cut off. But again, I still didn't think about the score, and it didn't hit me until the way home. I was driving in my car with my friend Mike, and we were listening to the post game radio show, uh-huh. and my friend Mike just he wasn't talking; he was just silent. Uh-huh. And finally, he just looked at me and he said, "I can't believe the score." And I said, I know, it was 41 to 40. And in that moment, I almost pulled off the road. I'm like, oh, my goodness, 41 to 40. And it was, honestly, Sharon, in that exact moment, Uh I knew I had to write a book. And it took several years for that to happen, but that was the defining moment that it became a book idea. Okay. Well, it didn't take 41 years for the book to be written, which is good. <laughs> so, yeah. That, that is the truth. It felt like it at times. I, I would, That's what I hear I, from I, our I would, authors. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know for anyone listening that has a book inside of them, I mean, I'm the guy who talked about it, preached yeah. about it. Everyone yeah. knew about it, but if I started talking about writing the book, I think people would roll their eyes because I wasn't really working on it. I, yeah. you know, it got to the point where I gave it to God, but finally I had to, do, I had to do my part. God will always do His part, but faith without works is dead. And I would lay in bed at, at night with almost having anxiety attacks, thinking someone else was going to write my book. Uh-huh. So I finally put my foot down and said, No, 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 I'm going to write this thing. Yeah. Well, you were the perfect person to write it, and. Uh, before we end our time, I, I did want to just talk about, I mean, obviously, as people have heard, your book is filled with engaging stories and examples that should encourage people to hang on there. Um, there's also some keys that you talk about that, that make it like something you can grab onto, real practical helps. Can you just list those keys that are um, expanded in the book so people know that there's something that they can grab onto? Um, sure, Sharon. The, the seven keys to hold on when life is tough and stand strong until a new day dawns are, like I mentioned earlier, all, all found in First Samuel chapter 17. And they are, number one, know your enemy. Obviously, David knew who his enemy was, but the words of the enemy spurred him to action. And really revealed his cause. So number two was embrace your cause. Mm-hmm. You know, Habakkuk says to write down your vision so you could pick it up and, and run with it. But as soon as you embrace your cause, obviously the enemy will try to cripple you with fear. So number three is smash fear in the mouth. <laughs> and once you overcome fear, you will also have to overcome doubts, whether it's self-doubt or doubt from doubters. Haters mm-hmm. going to hate, and we have to learn to, to shake that off. So number four is shake off doubt and doubters and then once we've done that we also have to do our part there's a season of preparation that that needs to take place so number five is prepare in order to receive a payoff david was prepared to fight the lie because he had already fought a lion and a bear yeah so we talk about that in great detail and then 
number six, we need to be like David and word up. I love the fact that David, he told Goliath what he was going to do. And I believe we not only need to hear the word of God, like I was talking about a little yeah. bit ago, but we need to speak the word of God. Yeah. So number six is, is word up. We've got to word yeah. up. And then number seven, we have to go on the offensive. It's one thing to talk about it, speak it, to pray it, all those things, but we have to step onto the battlefield and attack. So number seven is attack. Okay. All right. That's great. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I think I just want to ask you, what, how do you think this book would be best used? I mean, what, what should people read it? alone you know with the Lord or what do you would you think what would be the benefit of perhaps using it in a book group sure um, I believe that obviously it's going to benefit the individual who's ready to find their 41 that one person that has lost hope is in need of a second chance that person who was given up on a dream that's ready to pick it up and dust it off and, and go for it again anyone who's in it in, in of unforeseen circumstances or, uh, you know, a season of, of suffering. So I, it's obviously going to benefit the, the individual. Um, but beyond that, especially for myself as a pastor, I also wrote it in mind knowing that um, small group studies are effective. And because I lay out seven keys, I believe it, it's perfect for a small group study, especially if you have a small group that is going to take a few weeks and begin to do a weekly discussion. Uh, mm -hmm. It's definitely uh, written and laid out in such a way to, to benefit a small group. But then even beyond that, I think corporately um, as a church, it's also beneficial, beneficial for a sermon series. In fact, before I even um, finished the manuscript, we did an eight-week series a couple of years ago at our church, and that really kind of helped uh, me build material to finish the manuscript. But, sure. Um, you know, obviously, eight weeks is probably too long for, for most churches. I'd recommend a, a two to three week series. But I will say this: out of all the series, sermon series that we've done over the last eighteen years, we have had the most feedback from Forty One Will Come than any series we've done. So I believe it will resonate not just with pastors and small group leaders, but with the congregations. That's great. That's good. Thank you. Um, yeah, I could see it being used really well in a small group because people would start telling their own stories you know it would cause them to look back and you'd build community uh, by sharing some of the difficulties and then you have a pre-made group there that could rally and encourage you to stand strong so I agree yeah. with you there yeah so you're, yeah, you're great will, go on oh no I'm sorry I was just gonna say I, I think what will happen was people will rise up with hope, and I think that's contagious. And, yes. You know, we've seen that happen in our own church. We've even I even have a woman in our church who went and got 41 tattoos on her on her wrist to be her daily reminder that she wasn't wasn't going to quit. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Well, I don't want to take any more of your time, Chuck. It's been really a delight to talk to you, as it always is. So thank you, and uh, bless you this weekend as you go into ministry. Thank you so much, Sharon. I really appreciate our time. I always enjoy talking to you as well. I'm honored to be partnered with Tyndale 
I'm excited about what God's going to do. Yeah, well, we'll do it again. And for listeners, to learn more about Chuck and 41 Will Come, you can visit his website, chuckytate.com backslash 41 will come and you can find out more about the book and you can also order 41 will come now online and it will be available everywhere books are sold brick and mortar stores uh, this summer August 2016 so until next time thanks for listening and come back to listen more thanks Chuck we'll talk to you soon I hope Yes, thank you, Sharon. Okay, all right, bye-bye.